Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a Swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Opt in. Opt in to Nothing Personal Word of the Day for November 2nd. Today is Monday, November 2nd. We are one day until Election Day, which will be November 3rd, 2020. Opt in is my word of the day. It means a lot of things, actually. You know, we used to one day, one episode. Today is episode 248, although plus sit downs and bonuses and things like that. But we used opt out as a word of the day, but not opt in. So in 2020, this is such a 2020 concept, the opt-in concept. So let me give you some background why I'm thinking about this today. You may have read, if you're in Boston, that JT Martinez has opted in to the remaining two years and $38 million in that range of his contract. If you're in New York, you may have read that Giancarlo Stanton has opted in to his seven-year $210 million that remain from the original 13325 that he signed with the Marlins back in 2014. Opt-in means that a player has a long-term contract. Let's do easy math and say four years at $20 million a year. And there is an opt-in after two years which really is the same as an opt-out, but it's really also an opt-in. What do I mean? So the player goes through the first two years. He's earned $40 million. He has left two years and $40 million from the original four-year $80 million deal. What the player does that off-season is he checks with 29 teams and says, will you sign me for more than $40 million over two years? I'll take 45 over three, maybe. I'll take 45 over two. That'd be better. But just tell me, can I get more than $40 million for these two years? Once the player hears no 29 times, the player then calls his team and says, I have made a very important decision. I love this community. I love what you're doing. I love the manager, the general manager, my teammates, the president, the owner, the fans, the hot dog guy. I'm opting in to the last two years and $40 million. Now, what if that same player had another team who said, hey, I know you've got two years, 20 left. I'll give you four years at 80 starting right now. I'll tack on two years to that. Then the player would call his former team and say, I don't like the hot dog guy. The team president is a POS. I could do without the owner. My teammates stink. I'm opting out. And then he would opt out and sign the next deal for more money with the next team. Nobody opts out without knowing what's out there. Nobody. 
Why is everyone opting in? The reason everyone is opting in is that nobody is making offers to these players that is anywhere near what they have already under contract. So Coca tells me that J.D. Martinez has one year at 19.35 left and then another player option for next year. I believe, though, Coca, that his contract may have required him to opt in not just for this year, but for next year all at once right now. Or he may have just said, I'm picking up my option for next year right now. But if he didn't have to do that, he would wait because what if he hits 350, hits 50 bombs and 150 RBI and has launch angle of 700%? He's an analytic darling. And then he gets someone to pay him more than what would be 19.35 for the last player option year. So if he did accept the final two years of his deal in Boston, then that's only because he contractually had to. Same with Giancarlo Stanton. Stanton had one opt-out in his deal, and it was after six years. It was a 13-year deal, and we said to him, after six years, make a decision. But you have to make it for the... Le- r- the, the yeah. Got that, Coca? I think people will think I lost my Wi-Fi if I start talking like that. Stan's contract said that you have to opt out or in for the remaining seven years. You don't get to do it one year at a time. If you think you can get better than 210 over seven after the 2020 season, this is what we said in 2014, go get it. We were told by his agent, Joe Wolf, that he will only use the opt-out as a shield, not a sword. What that meant was that even if he could get more than 210 over seven, he would stay with the Marlins because that's where he wanted to be. I'm not exactly sure I'm buying that, but it doesn't matter. I'm happy for Giancarlo. He's going to get the full 325. I'm happy for everyone. But are the Yankees happy? Maybe. Are the Marlins happy? Despondent. When the Marlins traded Giancarlo Stanton to the Yankees, and that was not on my watch, that was a yeoman's job by Mike Hill of getting him traded. As you recall, he was traded to the Cardinals. He rejected it. He was traded to the Giants. He rejected it. And finally, a trade was worked out to the Yankees. But the Yankees smartly said, listen, we know Giancarlo will waive his no trade clause to come to us. But if he opts into the last seven years of the deal after the 2020 season and we have to pay him that last 210 million, you're going to give us 30 million bucks. But if he opts out and he goes somewhere else, you don't have to give us 30 million because we won't be on the hook for his 210. Well, the Yankees are on the hook. He did opt in. And now the Marlins have to give him $10 million a year for three years. They're in the back end of the deal. I'm not sure that Jeter's even thinking about it right now. It's 2026, 27, and 28. Great trade by Mike Hill. The currently unemployed, but not for long, Mike Hill. So players are being smart right now because they're going to get hammered in free agency. They're going to get hammered in arbitration. You're going to see more non-tenders, which means you're going to see more young players become free agents than ever before. You're going to see more players whose options are not picked up if they are team options. I never like giving a player option. I'm trying to think, Coca, if I ever did a player option in all my years. I'm thinking in 18 years, the total number of player options that we did in a contract are, wait for it, zero. 
because a player option, as you know from listening to Nothing Personal or watching, is only good for the player. If the player can do better, he's going to opt out and get more money. If the player can't do better, he's going to opt in, take the player option, and you're going to be overpaying him. So the Red Sox are overpaying Martinez. The Yankees are overpaying Giancarlo. And who's the happiest team in the American League East? Say it with me, because it's obvious. The Tampa Bay Rays. They continue to be smart. Guess who was going to be the Game 7 pitcher this year in the World Series if the Rays had won Game 6? guy named Charlie Morton. Charlie Morton, one of the great Game 7 pitchers, if not the greatest of all time. He had a $15 million option for 2021. A less intelligent team, a more nervous executive, would say, Charlie, we're picking up your option. We need you back. We want to win the pennant again. We want to keep going and try to get the ring. The Rays declined Charlie Morton's option. Charlie Morton is now a free agent. Charlie Morton is a free agent purposefully. Because the Rays know that if they want him back, they can get him back for under $15 million. And Charlie Morton will not get $15 million a year from any team. There are certain players, though, and we talked about this pre-show when Coconut going over the show, and he wanted me to make sure that I wasn't too one-sided about what's happening in the world. But I'm going to be a little bit one-sided. There are two players that I can think of where the team picked up the option. And I promised Coke I would do it, so I'm going to do it. Anthony Rizzo of the Cubs. The Cubs picked up his option for $16.5 million. Starling Marte. The Marlins picked up Starling Marte's $12.5 million option. Why is that important? Do you know what I just realized, Coco, with my new equipment? I do not believe I have a cough button anymore, like a mute button. <coughs> Isn't that interesting? I think if I hit the red button or the black button, that maybe that'll turn the mic off and that could be like, let me, let me, let me test this, right? I got a new machine from CBS. Contract drives are giving me new, great machines that are convenient. Tell me if this works. Can you hear me now? <coughs> Coca, can you hear that? Can you hear me now, Coca? <coughs> can you hear me? Can you hear me now, Coca? <laughs> I think I did it. Was that the mute button? I think we got ourselves a mute button. Oh, it didn't work. Oh, you can't hear me now at all? All right, I'm going to keep going. No, I can hear you. Coca, you got to speak a little more clearly when we're whispering to me in the middle of a show because otherwise I have no idea what you're talking about. And then neither do our listeners. Starling Marte, when he got traded to the Marlins, there was a $12.5 million player option, uh, team option. When the Marlins traded for him, they knew they were picking that up, so I'm not going to count that. Tons of players have been let go. I told you that. Brad Hand, gone. Ryan Braun, way gone. Edwin Encarnacion, gone. Brett Gardner, Yankees, see ya. John Lester of the Cubs, eh, eh. Corey Kluver, how'd that work in Texas? Out. Chris Archer, how did that go in Pittsburgh? You think the Pirates would rather have Tyler Glasnow and Austin Meadows, or would they rather be declining the player option, the team option on Chris Archer? What an abject disaster. All right, we have a little more baseball to talk about because something else happened that is interesting to me, at least. There's something called the qualifying offer in baseball. A qualifying offer, there's a bunch of rules, but I can sum it up in this way. When a player becomes a free agent and a player is on a team that has not recently acquired him, a player who has not already had a qualifying offer attached to him, 
that free agent player is eligible to be given or offered a qualifying offer by his old team. So as an example, JT Realmuto is on the Philadelphia Phillies. He's a free agent. The Phillies can make a qualifying offer to JT Realmuto. Here's what it means. You are giving the player a contract. Literally, that's what it means. You give him a one-year contract. This year, all qualifying offers were $18.9 million. You give that to the player, and that player has two choices. The player can accept the qualifying offer, and he then is playing for one year at $18.9 million, or he can reject the qualifying offer and become a free agent. So we had, a, uh, we had someone ask about this on a So You Want to Talk to Samson. Do we play the music? Does your machine still do that, Coca? You know what I want. <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. Well, you want to talk to me, you got me. Thank you for being 7 eighths baked, especially on November 2nd. By tomorrow, we're going to be 11 tenths baked. Can you explain what a qualifying offer is and why Team Wooder would not give one? Well, thanks for asking, because that's been in the news, and I started to answer it before I read the question, which is a total nothing personal violation. Forgive me, please. Go into Twitter at David P. Sampson or Instagram at David P. Sampson. Press follow and then ask a question. And there's a decent chance I'm going to get to it. I mean, like a 5% chance. In the beginning of the show, it was like an 80% chance, and it's gone down because there's more questions coming, for which I'm appreciative. So I get to choose ones that are based on subjects I want to talk about anyway. How great is that? I understand it's a little bit of manipulation, but it really works for me. So I explained what a qualifying offer is. JT Alamudu has the one-year $18.9 million offer from the Phillies. If he rejects it and becomes a free agent, the Philadelphia Phillies get a compensatory draft pick in next year's amateur draft. If he accepts it, then the Phillies have Realmuto for one year at $18.9 million. You have to be very strategic as a team when you offer someone a qualifying offer. If you offer a qualifying offer to a player and that player accepts it, you've made a mistake. You never hard stop ever, no matter what a GM tells you, no matter what an owner will stand up and say publicly, oh, we're so happy to have him back. It's really good for our team. Horse hockey. You do not want a player to accept your qualifying offer. You are taking a calculated risk that the player will say no because you want compensation for that free agent leaving your team. Now, if you resign your own free agent, like the Phillies would sign JT Realmuto to a long-term deal, they obviously don't get their own draft pick. They have their draft pick. They don't lose a draft pick. They don't gain a draft pick. And Realmuto can either accept, not accept, it doesn't matter because he's with the same team. This is for when a player switches teams after rejecting a qualifying offer. That's when the draft pick goes from the team who signs JT to the Phillies. So if Steve Cohn of the Mets, the new owner, wants JT Realmuto and he signs him to a long-term deal, he's going to lose his first-round pick. And as a new owner, I can tell you, he is very interested in the player at the major league level, not as interested in the first-round pick. That comes over years when you realize the first-round picks are gold and free agent signings are fool's gold. But you don't learn that too quickly. Thank God for the players. So why would a team sign a player, give a player a qualifying offer? Because they're positive that the player won't accept it. That's the only reason. 
Why would a player ever accept a qualifying offer? When their agent calls them and they've got Coke, I can't believe I don't know this. I'm freaking myself out. I believe it's 10 days from when the qualifying offers are given for a player to accept or reject. I want to say five days, but I think that's five days after the World Series, the players become free agents. So I think it's 10 days after the qualifying offers are given that a player has to accept or reject. So here's what the agents are doing right now as we talk. They are calling over the next 10 days, all 29 teams, and they are finding out whether their player can get more than one year $18.9 million. What happens when a player screws it up? Well, then his name is Marcelo Zuna. Marcelo Zuna was given a qualifying offer by the St. Louis Cardinals last year. He turned it down and ended up signing a one-year deal with the Braves for just shy of the qualifying offer. That was not a good move. That is rare. In, in fact, I find it to be impossibly improbable. So a couple of players with the qualifying offers, Trevor Bauer, our one-year guy, I will, he'll only do one-year deals. Remember that? Well, he's already changed his mind. He's already going to go for the last nickel. The Reds gave him a qualifying offer, and I guarantee you he is going to reject it because he's going to take more than a one-year deal. Guaranteed. JT Ralamuto got a qualifying offer from the Phillies. He's going to reject it, and he's going to become a free agent because he's going to sign for top dollar, whatever the top dollar is, no matter what team, and I don't blame him for that. You know how much I love JT, and you know that he's trying to get to Joe Maurer money, who's a catcher who was overpaid by the Twins, or Buster Posey money, who I could argue was overpaid too. Not while they were winning championships, but at the tail end of the contract. Three, George Springer. Houston Astros, garbage can guy. George Springer, probably the best outfield free agent, if not the best. Yeah, he's the best. Let's just call, us, call it what it is. George Springer is the number one position player free agent. He got a qualifying offer from the Astros. He is going to reject it because he will get a long-term deal. That's three. We got three more to go. Marcus Stroman. The Mets actually gave a qualifying offer to Marcus Stroman. Are you kidding me? Was that Brody Van Wagenen's goodbye present right before he was going to get canned, which is a guarantee, that he gave a qualifying offer to Stroman? The way it really works is they had to inform Steve Cohn they were doing this because anytime you're selling your team, you cannot put an obligation on the new owner without talking to the new owner. It's not according to the rules of baseball, but we all do it. When we were selling, when Jeffrey was selling, Jeffrey Laurie, the owner of the Marlins, was selling to Bruce Sherman and um, the player Bruce Sherman works with, when we were going to do any moves prior to the sale, we told Sherman what we were going to do. And if they wanted us to do it, great. If they didn't want us to do it, great. It didn't matter to us. So Steve Cohn approved a qualifying offer for Marcus Stroman. You're totally screwed, Steve, because guess what Stroman's going to do? He's going to take it. Marcus Stroman is the exact type of free agent who will not get a long-term deal to his liking because of COVID, because of no revenue, because of where we are in the economy, blah, blah, blah. Next, the Yankees. They did not make an offer to Masahiro Tanaka, a qualifying offer. He's a free agent. See you later. They did make one to DJ LeMahieu. 
There are rumors that DJ LeMay, you remember the guy who the Yankees signed for only two years, like $24 million, the greatest free agent signing that I said was a terrible free agent signing at the time because the Yankees acted like they were so smart. The reality is DJ LeMahieu, they offered him more than anyone else was offering him. So of course he was going to sign with the Yankees. He's been a very good performer for them over the two years, but good enough to get a qualifying offer. Who's going to sign LeMahieu to a long-term deal with a higher average annual value of 18.9 million. Now, what you do if you are a team and you want LeMahieu, you say, we'll give you a two-year deal for 24 million again. So you'll get 5 million more than you'll get if you do a qualifying offer and we get you for an extra year of action. If I'm DJ LeMahieu, I say, forget it. Let me do a one-year 18.9 with the Yankees. I'll have another kick-ass season. Then I'll be a free agent when COVID's behind us, when the collective bargaining agreement's behind us and we're getting back to some semblance of what could potentially be normal. Kevin Gausman, a pitcher. I'm blanking. The San Francisco Giants, 18.9 million. Wait to see. Kevin Gausman will 100% accept that qualifying offer. There is no owner who's going to give him more than an AAV of $18.9 million when you can get pitchers pitching for you just as well for $600,000. It's not going to happen. So I hope that you now are clear with what the qualifying offers are. It's pretty cool, actually, if you think about it. So I'm going to do a wait to see. Wait to see when I say that something's going to happen and it either does or doesn't, but I'm going to revisit it. So as an example, on September 15th of 2020, I said the MLB winter meetings would be canceled and they were canceled this past weekend. So that's a yes. On October 2nd of this year, I said that Mike D'Antoni, the erstwhile coach of the Houston Rockets, would not be a head coach again in 2000 and for the 2020-21 season, this next season? Well, I was right. He didn't get a head coaching job. And the only reason this wait to see is over, and I can declare that for sure it's a winner, he signed on to be an assistant coach under Steve Nash. Steve Nash is a guy he coached in Phoenix. Remember seven-second offense? If you're not shooting within seven seconds on the 24-second clock, then you're a failure. I think the Brooklyn Nets are going to be interesting, although I wonder if D'Antoni realizes that Durant is the coach of that team and Irving is the coach of that team and not Nash. Either way, D'Antoni's an assistant. That way to see worked. October 23rd, I said Antonio Brown would not be signed by the Seahawks no matter what Russell Wilson wanted, and that was correct. He signed with the Patriots. So here's my wait to see today. Three or more of the six players, he signed with the Buccaneers, by the way, not the Patriots. Sorry, Coca. Thank you. I was thinking Tom Brady. Three or more of the six men who got qualifying offers will accept. My bonus is that Stroman accepts, Gausman accepts, and LeMahieu accepts. I'm going to try to do a double on that way to see. Okay, when we come back, it is November 2nd. We're going to talk football because we just finished week eight and a lot's going on. We're going to talk a little bit about Steve Cohn's first moves as a New York Met. When we come back, we're going to review the new Billy Corbin documentary called 537 Votes. Come on back to Nothing Personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. 
If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. You have found us. You've downloaded, you've subscribed, you've told your friends, and we're thankful. Every day I watch a movie or a TV series, TV show. I watched a new documentary on HBO. I even got HBO Max to watch this. It's done by Billy Corbin, my frenemy, Billy Corbin. It's called 537 Votes. Do you know why it's called that? 537 votes is the exact number of votes that George Bush beat Al Gore by to win the state of Florida and thereby win the 2000 presidency. Can you imagine what would have happened in our world if Gore had won in 2000? Gore would have been the president during 2001. Gore would have been the president when there was war. In any case, he wasn't. George Bush won. And this is a documentary that explains what happened in Florida. And it starts with a case of a little boy who was found on a raft alone named Elian Gonzalez. If you're not from Florida, you may not be familiar with this story. This was the story of a five-year-old boy who was in the middle of a major custody battle between the U.S. and Cuba. This was a boy who was with his uncle in Florida after he had been rescued, after his mother had tried to take him out of Cuba, had died on the way, but the boy survived. But the boy's father was in Cuba and the boy's father wanted him back. This was a huge deal that involved President Clinton, Vice President Gore, Attorney General Janet Reno, the mayor of Miami, Alex Pinellas at the time. It was a huge, huge story. Not so much anywhere else, but certainly in Florida. If a father wants his son and he's the next of kin, you got to send the boy back. But the Cubans here in Miami wanted him to stay because you'd never send a boy back to Cuba to be under the dictator Fidel Castro. This is a documentary that starts to talk about Elian Gonzalez, explaining how that informed a lot of what took place during the 2000 election. You may be familiar with the word hanging Chad. It'll, it'll blow your mind when you see what went on in Florida. When you learn about the supervisor of elections, when you learn about what happened between the mayor, Alex Pinellas, and the vice president, Al Gore, and the presidential candidate, Al Gore, you'll learn about Miami politics and how incredibly difficult they are to navigate. And that is not a self-serving comment. It is a troubling documentary because is this really what was going on 20 years ago? And it bothers me to think about what we're dealing with as we head into election day tomorrow. We'll have more on the election tomorrow. 
I am going to talk about the election tomorrow. I'm going to talk about where my head is tomorrow. You know I've been encouraging everyone to vote. You know that I've got certain views where I'm not easy to pin down because I'm not one side or the other. I'm very much a part of every side because I want the best of everyone, not the worst of someone. The reason why I think you need to watch 537 votes is that it gives you an opportunity to understand what our political process is like, why it is so important to vote down ballot, to vote for judges, to vote for sheriffs, to vote for state legislators, to vote for mayors, to vote for city county commissioners, city council members, people you've never heard of, people who you think won't matter to you, but then the day comes and they do. And if you don't know who's there and you don't know what he, she, or they stand for, you can get royally screwed. Miami was in the news for so long in 2020. It was embarrassing. I wasn't in 2000. I mean, I wasn't here yet. I was in Montreal. I hadn't started with Miami yet. And so for me, I just knew that Florida was the last state. I knew they were hanging chads. I didn't know any of the real story. Ironically, Having been in Florida and been sort of public for 18 years now, since 2002, there's not one person in that documentary I don't know except Roger Stone. Every single other person interviewed is someone I had to deal with during my time with the Marlins. Take that for what you will, positive or negative. It is, uh, it is an hour and 44 minutes. Billy Corbin is a brilliant filmmaker. Forget the fact that he's obviously extraordinarily liberal. It doesn't matter. If you are conservative, still watch this. If you believe that you don't want to give Billy Corbin a minute of your time because you don't believe in his political views, you are making a mistake because isn't it more important to learn something? I think it is. 537 votes. Okay, I want to spend one minute on Sean Connery. He died over the weekend, and I want to give you my top four Sean Connery movies. He, is, he played James Bond, as you know. Number four, Rising Sun with Wesley Snipes. The number one coffee table scene of any movie, not rated NC-17. Great movie. Number three, my favorite Connery Bond movie is Never Say Never Again. Number two, a movie with Nicolas Cage, Ed Harris called The Rock. If you have not seen The Rock, it is the best popcorn movie you can watch. And my favorite Sean Connery movie that does not appear on many lists is called Entrapment with Catherine Zeta-Jones, the wife of Michael Douglas. It is awesome. It's funny, it's sexy, it's quick, it's interesting, it's got twists and turns, and Sean Connery is brilliant. We'll miss you, Sean Connery. I hope you're having a martini. Okay, I wanna get to uh, the NFL right now because the NFL has some issues. So we finished week eight. I'll take that as a positive, right? I think so. Week eight, halfway through the season for many teams, they played eight games. There's a week. There's still no week 18 yet. They still have not had to add an extra week. They still haven't taken away the bye week between the championship and the Super Bowl. They're really trying to get through it. But as you know, well, I shouldn't say that, Coca. I guess the smarter way to say it is as you hear and may or may not believe, COVID is not going anywhere anytime soon. 
<coughs> Didn't press the button. The NFL is not bubbling. The NFL has strict protocols. NFL players are testing positive, but what they've learned is play on. Even through an outbreak, we're going to play on. What's bothering me today, though, is the Justin Turner World Series situation. How do you test a player the day of game, not get the result until after the game, and then the result of the player who played in the game is positive? What exactly is the purpose of testing before the game? If you test before the game, you've got to do it early enough that if someone tests positive, they don't play the damn game. Marlon Humphrey of the Ravens played today. How are you feeling if you're the Steelers? A.J. Dillon played in a horrible Packers game, got whooped by a crappy Vikings team. No disrespect to the Will family. Love you guys. They both got tested, played the game, tested positive. Now they're isolated. Talk about a day late and a dollar short. Roger Goodell has to do better. You got to say that they're going to test Saturday and not Sunday and that the Saturday results have to come. And if you're positive from the Saturday test, you don't play Sunday. Don't bother testing anyone Sunday because it just makes you look bad. If you can't find a rapid test where you can see what's positive, what's not immediately or take it at 8 a.m. and then play at 1 p.m., whatever the case is. Send someone to the person's house to take it at 5 a.m. Let them go back to sleep. Whatever the time is needed from test to result, if you can't get that done, then just don't test Sunday because you're not impressing us. The NFL is trying to say, we test on game days. Well, you look like idiots the same way Major League Baseball did by pulling Justin Turner from a game in the eighth inning because he had tested positive. It simply makes no sense. And the story of the week should have been Tua. Tua Tagovailoa debuted for the Miami Dolphins and was unreal. He went 20 of 24 for 750 yards, eight touchdowns, and no interceptions as the Dolphins manhandled the St. Louis Rams. That's what people want to believe. In fact, Tua was just okay. The Dolphins beat the Los Angeles Rams, and they had a special teams touchdown, a defensive fumble recovery touchdown. Tua did pass for a touchdown. But on what they said, by the way, because they're marketing Tua to be the face of football now, although they've got Mahomes, maybe he'll be the co-face, that his first touchdown pass was a 99.2, and I'm making that number up, but it's some outrageous number, a 99.2% chance of being incomplete because he had a thread and needle that has never been threaded in the NFL this whole season. They got to look at that analytically and realize that he did something that hadn't been done all year. Therefore, his hip is good. Therefore, the Dolphins are good. Therefore, everyone's happy. All right. I'll take it. Steelers and Ravens played. Great game. Lamar Jackson is the quarterback for the Ravens. Had a chance to win it at the end. Steelers defense prevailed. Steelers remain undefeated. The Steelers are undefeated. I just want to make sure I say that again. Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers have not lost a game. Okay. All right, I'll move on. Patriots. I'm going to have to eat this one, Coca. I thought the Patriots would be better than the Bucs. I thought it was Belichick and not Brady. I have a way to see that the Bucs don't make it past wildcard weekend. I'm still there for that. I have a way to see that the Patriots will have a better record than the Buccaneers. 
God, am I going to be wrong? The Patriots stink and Bill Belichick is despondent. He throws Cam Newton out there. Cam Newton gets benched last week. This week he comes out. The Patriots lose again. I think they're two and five, Coca. Is that the record? Two and five or three and six or two and six. They can't be three and six because it's only week eight. Whatever their record is, it's way worse than the Bucks record. And the Bucks actually play on Monday night, which is tonight because today's Monday, November 2nd. So I think one of the stories of this off, of this season is going to be whether or not the Patriots realize Tom Brady, Tom frickin' Brady was the reason they were so good. God, that's depressing. Okay, so the NFL is going into this week and they've got some serious decisions to make and they're going to make them. And here's what I think will happen. The season will continue on as is. I think they're going to make an adjustment to the testing program because they simply cannot have what happened this week happen again. You just, and the NFL is really good at how it looks. They're very interested in self-image. They try not to step on, on their own toes. They want to be the anti-MLB in that regard. MLB would like not to do it, but ends up doing it all the time. I think that there will be some changes made to the COVID testing protocols because if you are the Steelers or you are the Vikings, you are none too happy that Marlon Humphrey and A.J. Dillon tested positive. You are none too happy at all. If you're a Dolphins fan down here, people are losing their minds. I would just say breathe. There's a chance that tanking for Tua worked, but there's also a chance that my way to see of Justin Herbert having more touchdown passes in 2020 than Tua may still win, even though everyone was gaga for TT. So I'm going to do a pick of the day because I got a football game right. The last pick of the day was last Thursday, if you recall. Do you remember when I wanted to take the Panthers giving two and a half to the Falcons, but I said that I'm not doing well in football picks, therefore I'm going to pick the Falcons, even though I think the Panthers are going to cover? Well, we nailed it. The Falcons won the whole damn game. Forget covering, they won the game outright. So I'm back up a field goal. So if you've taken every one of these picks and your name is Alex, then you are 31 and 28, but we've had some underdogs hit. So overall, you are up a few shekels. What are we doing today? My Giants are playing. They used to be my Giants. They're not really my Giants anymore. They're so terrible. Although I'm not a Fairweather fan. I just have moved on. I've been out of New York for so long. I wasn't even a huge fan when Eli won those two Super Bowls but I was a huge fan when Phil Simms and Jeff Hosteller won the Super Bowls. So memorable. Scott Norwood, wide right. Lawrence Taylor. Those were the days, my friend. I thought they'd never end. Yeah, whatever. The Buccaneers are playing in their favor by 12. We have now lived to see the day. Will Manso, if you're listening to this, you're a huge Giants fan. We have lived to see the day when the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are 12-point favorites over the New York Giants. Talk about never say never. And on top of that, we're going with the Bucks. We're going to lay the 12. It's about as close as we're going to get to any sort of action tonight. Bucks minus 12 over the Giants. Okay. So on Friday, thank you for the mailbag. I know you guys like that. We'll do another one at the end of November. Go into Apple, rate and review, and put a question in there. And we'll do it at the end of month mailbag. We released that on Friday. We then did a bonus pod when Steve Cohn bought the Mets and A.J. Hinch was hired by the Tigers and Tony La Russa was hired by the White Sox. And I just did 10 minutes on each subject. 
as a little bonus. I got to talk a little bit more about Steve Cohn, the new owner of the Mets. Steve Cohn made a few mistakes early when he was letting Fred and Jeff Wilpon speak on his behalf, when he was giving one-line statements and having them being released by the Mets, when he was being a little too public about wanting to buy the team. I was not in favor of any of those things, but I knew Steve was going to get the team. We had a bunch of weight to seize on that. And what's interesting about it is that every move Steve Cohn has made since he got approved on Friday has been perfect. Literally. What do you do when you buy the New York Mets who've been under ownership since 1980-something? An ownership group that is maligned, people accusing them of being cheap, which I don't think they ever were, not winning enough, They were just in the World Series in 2015. Lost to the Royals. That's only five years ago. Not bad. Have the best pitcher signing award winner multiple years in a row, Jacob DeGrom. But if you're Steve Cohn, you make a hard cut and you start fresh by going right to what people want to hear. There's only two things that Met fans want to hear about. Number one, we are going to be active in free agency. Steve Cohn's first words were that he wants to get started because he knew that free agency started Saturday night, meaning two days ago, and that the Mets are going to be active. If you think the Mets are not going to make a splash in free agency, you're wrong because they will. JT Realmuto may get exactly what he wanted and become a New York Met which will make Philadelphia Phillies fans and Miami Marlins fans literally sick to their stomach. The thought of JT in a Met uniform, it literally makes the lasered hairs on my arm stand up. So Steve Cohn acknowledges he's going to be active in free agency. And then he does the second thing that everybody cares about. What are you going to do to make me happier, to make me wealthier, to make me survive. Steve Cohn announced that he is donating over $17.5 million to the community that surrounds City Field. And that's just the beginning of his philanthropy. He announced that he is going to donate and give several million dollars to a fund that will pay seasonal workers a stipend for not having worked in the 2020 season. Those are the hot dog guys, the ushers, the ticket takers. Steve Cohn then announced to his employees that he is going to put them all back on the salaries they were making before they were furloughed or before they were salaries were cut by the Wilpons during the pandemic, which by the way, all 30 teams have done. But Steve Cohn is deciding I'm going to do what nobody else is doing. I'm reinstating everybody at their original salary. That's like another five to eight million dollars. You're going to say he's worth 14.1 billion dollars. You're going to say this is chump change. He ought to be doing better. But these are not things that he had to do. He is getting good PR advice from someone. He's got a hundred day plan. And right now he's on day three. Do you remember during the bonus, we talked about what the 100-day plan would be? Do you remember we talked about he's got to do something from a PR standpoint, make a bang? 
Then he's going to have to meet with editorial boards and media members. Then he's going to have to fire his GM and hire a really good GM. Maybe Mike Hill. Mike Hill would be a great fit in New York. A great fit. Then he's got to decide on his manager. And then he's got to put his team together and try to win. Will he win? Who knows? Will he try? You bet your bippy he will. Steve Cohn is a fan who has understanding that he's willing to lose money for the immediate future. Part of his acquisition and lowering his bid from what was $2.6 billion down to $2.4 billion is that he was willing to spend that $200 million on losses. Mets fans, that's not going to happen forever. There are a lot of other billionaires who are billionaires having nothing to do with baseball who don't want to lose money with their baseball team, and I agree with that. But I also agree when you're buying a team that the best thing you can do is invest front-loaded and try to differentiate yourself from previous ownership. Think about it as the anti-jeter. You don't come in after me and Jeffrey, Jeffrey the owner, me the president, and trade everyone away. You come in and sign everyone. You have enough money left over from your transaction that you can sign people, trade for people, and you make a run to show that you're going to be different. Unless, of course, you had to blow your entire wad just on the purchase price. Hell yeah! (laughs) Steve Cohn did not. He's got some dry powder, and he's going to use that dry powder, and he's going to use it to try to ingratiate himself with Mets fans. I encourage you as a Mets fan to have a long memory, not a short-term memory. Give Steve Cohn a chance even if they don't win. Give him a chance even if he has new owner-itis and gets involved or makes bad signings. Give him a chance because he wants what you want. Above all, he wants a World Series ring. That's why he's doing this. It's the ultimate gift for a fan to have a fan own the team. At some point, there'll be the inflection, like on a seesaw, when a seesaw goes up and down. Right now, your legs are dangling, and it's all about the fan. But eventually, you go back down, the teeter-totter switches, and the dangling legs are that of business. That will happen. Because Steve Cohn did not become a multi-billionaire by being only a fan. He became a multi-billionaire because he knows very well that sometimes you make decisions that are just business. And you'll have to say to the fans, it's nothing personal. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 